What we did this year for the first time ever is uh, I've actually sat with all of the eldership couples. We've got eight eldership couples who lead the church here at Outlook. And at our time of way, at our time away, it was felt that actually uh, we need some review, some feedback, kind of an elders audit. So I sat with every couple and I asked them 10 questions. But the first question was the most important question. First question I asked every eldership couple as I sat with them asking them for absolute honesty was this. Are you more in love with Jesus now than you were this time last year? And if I had to ask you that question, if I sat with you one-on-one, and I said, come on, think back now. This time last year, are you now more in love with Jesus now than ever before, than this time last year? And the good news that I, I truly want to say is we've got an incredible elders team, and every one of them said absolutely yes. There were moments where we struggled, maybe went through a dip, but right, thank you, Jesus. Every one of our eldership couple said, yes, Lord, we're more in love with Jesus than ever before. For me, this is the most important question. This is going to be my last kind of uh, official sermon of the year. I'll be preaching on Christmas Day. But in terms of Sunday sermons, this is it for me. And, and if I could leave you with one thing going into the end of year, Christmas season, holiday season, planning next year, the question is this. Are you now more in love with Jesus than ever before? You see, it's a beautiful thing being part of a team where the whole team passionately loves Jesus. You see, the things that destroy teams, little relational squabbles or, or this problem with that, disappears when people are passionately in love with Jesus. You see, if you love Jesus and I love Jesus and we've got a problem, as long as we both love Jesus, we're going to fix it. We can have differing opinions. We can have robust, strong debates. But when we love Jesus, we can fix stuff. We can work through stuff. We can overcome. Are you in love with Jesus now more than ever before? And I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into that. Why is it such an important question. Three reasons. Number one, because remember that Jesus gave this as the greatest commandment. If you sat Jesus down and said, hey, Jesus, I'm not, I'm not a higher grade Christian. I'm a bit of a lower grade Christian. I just want you to dumb it down for me. Just simplify everything. The Bible is a really big book. I've never read anything more than this much. So Jesus, can you just like give me the simple version, what I have to do to be a victorious Christian? Do you know what Jesus would say? Well, this is what he said in Mark 12 verses 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating and noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commands, which is the most important? If we sat with Jesus now, Jesus, the whole Bible, there's a lot of words in there. If you could just sum up the whole Bible for us, Jesus, into just a little bit, what should I focus on? Verse number 29, the most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. That's it, right there. If we could sum it all up, just put it on the bottom shelf, make it easy and easy. This is it. Love Jesus. In fact, someone once said this. The secret to victorious Christian living is love Jesus passionately and then you can do what comes naturally. But don't do what comes naturally if you're not loving Jesus passionately. You see, if you're not loving Jesus passionately, it's your sin nature that will define what comes naturally to you. But when you love Jesus passionately, the desires of the flesh are overcome by the desires of the Spirit and you'll end up fulfilling God's plans and purposes for your life. The greatest command, the greatest thing to focus on, oh God, I want to love you 
with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my soul, all of my strength, every part of me in love with Jesus. I remember Errol Atterbury passed away a couple of years ago. He was a great friend. He, and we traveled together many times. And he said, Brent, you can always tell what people are actually passionate about. They can tell you what they're passionate about, but you can always tell what they're really passionate about because that's what they're going to end up talking about in their little conversations. And it's true, isn't it? What do you talk about? I remember being with Errol because he loved Jesus and he loved guitars. And I remember being with him in, in Colombia. We found this actual legit guitar-making factory where you've got this grandmaster, fifth-generation guitar maker. And I remember him weeping like a baby down Aaron's beard, if you remember what Errol was like, as he was having photos taken with this, this guitar grandmaster and all of his carvings and things. Errol was passionate about guitars, but more passionate about Jesus. Staying in love with Jesus will produce the victory of Jesus in our lives. But there's another reason as well. The, the reason this is the most important, to stay in love with Jesus, is because if the church has a vulnerable point, this is it. See, think now, let's try and think like the devil for a moment. If you were the devil and you were trying to bring down a base church, how would you do it? Send COVID. Nah, not going to work. Send persecution. Not going to work. In fact, the church normally grows during persecution. So if you were going to try and destroy a church, how would you do it? Well, we actually see, sadly, in Scripture. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, there's a letter from Jesus to one of the greatest churches in history. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. What a church. How's a church doing all the church stuff well? They are having church conferences and church meetings and outreach programs and building programs. They've persevered. They've tested. They've done everything well. Yet, verse 4 says, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. This was a church that experienced revival, thousands getting saved. This was a church, it started in a synagogue, then it moved into the university, and it says from there, everyone in the whole province heard the word of God. The miracles taking place in that church were so powerful, they would bring handkerchiefs, pray over the handkerchief, take it to a sick person, and that person would get healed. The business sector was so changed because people didn't want to buy idols and all sorts of, now they just wanted to worship Jesus. In fact, it caused a riot. There was such a radical level of repentance that all the kind of Sangoma tops and magic art tops and diviners, all of them, they brought their scrolls. It says their magic scrolls, whatever, and they had a bonfire, and it actually gives you the price tag, which is about 10 million rands worth of books and scrolls, sacred, burnt up as an act of repentance. Radical church, but lost their love for Jesus. And about 50, 60 years after this was written, there was no church left. Church, that's, a, that's how the enemy would try and bring down a church. It's when the people fall out of love with Jesus. The most important thing, you and I, are you still madly in love with Jesus? 
The third reason that it's such an important question is because this is the key to fruitfulness. Fruitfulness and busyness are two different things. The world is so busy, you ask most people, busy, 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 but you can be busy without producing kingdom fruit. Kingdom fruit is produced when the sap, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you the branches, when we connect it and the sap <coughs> excuse me, of the Holy Spirit is working through you, that produces kingdom fruit. Not busyness, but that fruitfulness comes out of loving Jesus. In John chapter 15 and verse 9, it says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Stay loving me. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Down to verse number 16. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and that so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Fruitfulness and busyness are two different things. I had an interesting year, actually. For me, coming out of COVID, starting to travel again, I felt I came out with a different ministry mindset. Not how many times can I preach in a year, but how connected can I start getting with some of the people that God has called me to build with? And so actually a lot of the ministry I did this year was visiting, as I visit different churches, was not just preaching in their church and doing leadership training, but actually building friendship. Because discipleship happens through friendship, and what I learned is that friendship is what leads to fruitfulness. And God's called us to disciple people. You know how you're going to disciple people? Make friends with them. Friendliness is good. Friendship is much better. And it starts because friendship with God leads to fruitfulness. Husbands and wives, friendship together leads to fruitfulness. In the church, it's friendship that leads to fruitfulness. Staying in love with Jesus is the key to fruitful life and ministry. So how do we lose? What what should we be on the lookout for? A couple of things. In Revelation 2 verse 4, we read it. It said, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you have at first. You see, the biggest danger is is we're going to fall out of love for Jesus by forsaking that love. And that can happen in a couple of ways. Number one, it can happen when our love for Jesus as first love, love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, is overtaken by another first love. In other words, we first forsake the love of Jesus for another love. Now, other things that might be a love of fishing, a love of golf, a love of Those are not bad until they become more of a love than your love for Jesus. Then a good thing has now become a God thing because it's now an idol. Anything we love more than Jesus has become an idol and is no longer a blessing. The one prayer God will never answer is when you're praying about an idol. That's why Jesus said, are you willing to to hate everything or turn from everything else to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? We fall out of love for Jesus when we fall in love with something else even more. Let me speak to the young people for a moment. Well, it's not just young people. So often we can see young people passionate for Jesus until they meet a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's not just young people. And then suddenly the idol of our heart is revealed. I thought Jesus was all and everything in my life and now stolen by another love. That's not a bad thing until it becomes... A primary thing. Second way that we can fall out of love and forsake that first love is when we, oh, and this is so dangerous, is when we harden our hearts 
to the Holy Spirit. The reality is in any relationship, even, I know you're not going to believe this, even Kate and my relationship, there's times when we disagree. Now, I disagree. <laughs> now here's the reality. Conflict is not bad. Conflict can be healthy, but the key to healthy conflict is quick resolution of conflict. So yes, we disagree, sort some things out, but then restoration, restore that. It's when conflict goes unresolved that it becomes unhealthy. Now what happens in a normal Christian life, the power of the Holy Spirit is at work inside of you, He softened your heart, and you do something, and straight away you, you realize, oh, that was doff. Holy Spirit, I've sinned. Forgive me what I said, the way I acted, the way I responded, what I did. Forgive me, Lord, that was wrong. And you should confess right there, repent right there, back into relationship with the Holy Spirit, on you go. The problem is when it's like, actually, no, I actually want to keep doing this. And the Holy Spirit inside of you is pushing the button of repentance. He's drawing you back and you're saying, no, I actually want to stay on this road. It's probably not sin anyway. And you're justifying it in your mind, but you know to keep justifying it, you have to kind of hand off the voice of the Holy Spirit. No, Holy Spirit, this is what I'm choosing to do. And you resist the Holy Spirit and you resist the Holy Spirit and the sensitive heart that he's given us becomes harder and harder and harder. And the casualty of that battle is your first love for Jesus. Don't harden your heart to the Holy Spirit. And the third way that we can forsake that first love is through neglect. And this is sometimes the most dangerous because it's not a deliberate decision. It's the busyness of life and the distraction of other priorities. Have you ever heard that little verse in a song of songs that says, don't let the little foxes ruin the vineyard? I'm like, huh? How does a little fox destroy a vineyard? So I went to Wikipedia, I confess, I googled it. And it said the problem with little foxes is they actually like grapes, weird, but they can't reach them. And so instead of attacking the grapes, the fruitfulness, they just chew on the stem, on the, on the, the base, chew, 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 until eventually the whole vine falls over and dies, and then he gets the grapes. And in some ways, that's what can happen in our lives. It's when you're too busy in the morning and, and that daily Bible reading plan is kind of a little bit shelved for a while. I'm sure the Lord understands because I'm busy. And, and instead of those times of prayer when you used to walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and you had dedicated prayer time now, I'm sure the Lord understands. And, and instead of connecting with a connect group and being with the saints, part of community, I'm sure God understands. And little by little, it's like the little fox has eaten the base, the foundation of where the sap and life comes from and your love for Jesus has waned. So let me land. How do we obey the command to stay passionately in love with Jesus? Keep talking to each other. Jesus said this. He said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. That word remain, remain. There's the word meno. It means to dwell. Stay dwelling in my love. Build your house. Stay dwelling. Dwell in conversation with the Lord. Are you and Jesus talking often? Like time of prayer, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, are you talking often? Secondly, are you connecting with his word? Because then it says, you, if you remain in me and my words, John 15 verse 7, my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Are you continuing in his word? It's not enough just to hear a sermon on Sunday, but in the word as often as you can. Let his words dwell in you. Conversation dwell in you. And then thirdly, in John 15, 9 and 10, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. Keep your heart soft. Keep your heart soft. I've married many of you. 
and you'll know what I preached at your wedding. And if I do do your wedding, chances are I'll preach the same message. I've only got one wedding sermon. Keep your hearts soft. You see, soft hearts stay together, hard hearts drift apart. Is your heart soft to the Holy Spirit? Sensitive and yielded and open? Or are you handing off the Holy Spirit because of rebellion? And so this, my dear friends, is the challenge I want to leave you with for the rest of the year. And going into a busy 2023, an action-packed 2023, I'm super excited. But we will conquer if we're loving Jesus more than anything else. I'm a bread person. Made some banana bread last night. It was delicious. You know what I love about bread so much? The smell. You know the Bible tells us, in the Old Testament temple, every single day the priest's job was to put out fresh bread of the presence of God. I would have loved that. Coming to work as a priest every morning, we walk in here and smell coffee. They would have walked into the holy place, ah, and you smell fresh bread. Fresh bread is defined by the aroma. Now, first love means fresh love. That's what it means to me. The love that you have for Jesus, is it fresh? Is it fresh? Like the the aroma of fresh bread. I'm still in love with Jesus. We're talking, fellowshipping in his word. Holy Spirit, my heart is soft towards you. If you're madly in love with Jesus, we will be victorious in his precious name. Can you say amen to that? Or do you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you that The love you have for us is real and practical and is demonstrated through action. And Jesus, we want to respond to the love of the Father, not with just empty songs of declaration that we love you. We want to live lives that demonstrate, Jesus, you are first in the love of our hearts, the first in the love of our minds, the first in the love with our strength, the first in the love of our souls. In every area, Jesus, we want you to be first out of love, out of love. We don't want to serve you just out of duty, although we should. We want to serve you out of passionate love because you are worthy. Friends, I want to ask the Holy Spirit right now to come and impress upon your heart. Are you more in love with Jesus now than ever before. You see, Jesus himself writing to his church, he said, repent and do the things you did at first. And maybe right now you need to repent. You've, you've allowed something to become too much in your life. Something has replaced the first love of Jesus. Or maybe through neglect you've drifted. Or maybe through rebellion you've hardened your heart. The most important command is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We want to be a people more than anything else. It's not about church planting, evangelism. No, no. Firstly and foremost, it's about loving you, King Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. Friends, just with our eyes closed, maybe, maybe you're here today and you've never experienced what it means to taste and see that the Lord is good. You've never had your heart captivated by love for Jesus. It starts with a surrender. When you trust him enough to repent, to turn from sin, to turn to Jesus, and you experience his amazing love. If you are here today, and you'd like to make that decision to give your life to following Christ, to experience his love and walk in that love, we would love to pray for you today. Some of you here today need to respond to God's word. The Bible says if you're sick, which is a weakness, not just a physical sickness, could be a soul sickness and emotional. It says call the elders who will anoint you with oil and pray over you in the name of Jesus and you will be made well. 
And if you're here today and you need healing, body, soul, spirit, we would love to pray for you. Not just the elders, we'll ask some of the leaders and the prayer team to come and join us as well. Don't miss that opportunity. And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for what you're doing. Father, I pray your blessing and favor upon your people, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, strengthen us by your grace, help us to love you more than ever before. Thank you, Lord God, that as we go, we go knowing your gracious hand is upon us. In Jesus' name, and God's people say,